Hey there, guys. Uh, quick note before the podcast starts. I forgot to include this in the podcast. Now two weeks running. And I put it in the podcast notes last week, and I put out a Facebook post about it this week, but I really feel like this is the place for it to be. Uh, I'm running a short, small little contest, uh, not really for, for you as much as for uh, a couple of organizations that are near and dear to my heart, activeminds.org and thejedfoundation.org. So for every review I get, and I'm looking for iTunes reviews, uh, people rate and review the podcast, um, you know, gives me feedback, lets me know how I could get better, but also gets the word out more, uh, reaches more people. The more people that review the podcast, the easier it is to find in the directories. So I'm really hoping to get a boost of support by uh, getting a couple of people to review uh, the podcast, and for every review that I get, I am going to donate ten dollars. Uh, and so, at the end of the uh, semester, so I'm going to do it for another you know week or two. I will uh, total up all the reviews I have up to this point and split the donations equally amongst those two organizations. And if you'd like to learn more, again, it is ActiveMinds.org and TheJedFoundation.org. Both are committed to improving. Uh, the lives of college students that have mental health issues. So, sure that you guys uh, can relate. Anyway, with that, uh, let's get into the show. College Student Success Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping college students with mental health issues set and achieve goals for themselves to get them where they want to be. I am your host, Derek Malanzak, and this is episode 44 of the podcast. 44, guys. You know what that means? Well, you may not. I know what it means because I've been sort of counting them down. I know that I started recording this semester with episode 30, and I've been doing one a week, and I know how to do math. College taught me that. Uh, Really, actually, before college, I learned math. But I know that this is episode 14 of this semester, which means there is one more episode left. Next semester, I mean, next week will be my final podcast of the spring semester, and that really is mind-blowing to me. But I have enjoyed every moment of it. Well, just about every moment. Um, It's hard work, but uh, I I do love doing it. So I will save all of my uh, reflection for next week. Let's get into this episode. I'm excited to bring it to you. First off, our quick tip of the day. Uh, This one relates to note-taking. And uh, my advice as to not, uh, or it's in reference to textbooks. I know a lot of people, when they read textbooks, sit down with a good old big honk and highlighter uh, and their favorite color you know they might like yellow or maybe they're an orange or chartreuse well chartreuse is yellow lime green they got all those fancy highlighter colors and i think sometimes people are more obsessed with their highlighter colors than the actual content they're, they're going to highlight so i say ditch the highlighters and you might be thinking oh he's going to say underline right just use a pen or a pencil so much easier no don't underline either uh, don't do anything to the textbook. You know, uh, you might write little notes to yourself in the margins, um, but as far as the text and the content, uh, if you want to learn what's on the page, take notes. And don't just take notes 
on a computer. Take notes on paper. I know I've spoken in the past, possibly on this podcast, I know in my cognitive remediation training, about some of the research on note-taking uh, and you know the impact of you know taking notes on paper versus taking notes on a computer. And I was always mainly focused with that on speed. The idea being that if you know how to type, you're a good typer, you know, not a hunt and peck type of person, that you should be able to take notes faster than somebody that's writing and therefore be better at note taking. But I want to link to an article that I read this week on NPR. It is in the show notes. They talk about uh, recent research that was done that says laptops are actually you're not you don't learn the content as well. They agree with me that you actually uh, take notes faster. But because your brain doesn't have the time to sort of summarize it, that it becomes more of a transcription when you take notes on a computer than actual summation of the content of things you've learned. And when you summarize, that's where the actual learning process happens. So, you know, the study has shown that you actually have to be slower when you take notes by hand, which makes it more useful in the long run. So I won't spend a lot of time on it. That's why it's a quick tip. But my quick tip is don't use highlighters. Don't underline textbooks. Take notes. Take notes on paper. Don't take notes on computer. All right. And with that, we'll get into our Reddit uh, post of the day, which kind of leads very nicely into our topic for today. We're talking about uh, human capital today. It's something I referenced sort of very off the cuff in my podcast last week. Was sort of like thinking to myself, like oh, I should do a podcast about that, and it stuck with me all week. So I'm uh, excited to bring it to you. So, getting back to Reddit, here's the question that somebody posted. Their name is Anonymous eight five three, who goes to UC. I assume that's University of California. Does anyone else feel like they aren't learning anything? Okay, I'm not sure if other people can relate or if I'm just incredibly narcissist. I assume they meant narcissistic, but I feel like the huge bulk of my education is not. Uh, I feel like the huge bulk of my education is coming from independent study. All of my classes are just about doing a set of tasks, showing up, doing reasonably well on exams, but all the content is just like water to me. It doesn't really satisfy or help me develop, and all of the ideas are so basic that I just can't help feeling like I don't belong here. I only have a little over a year left in my education and it all feels so dull and forced whenever I go to classes even when I'm doing great in them really just makes you wonder why you go to school in the first place because what I feel like most people are doing what I feel like is most people are doing it for the money and that's just something I could care less about I just feel like I'm not developing at the same rate as everyone else who seem to love chasing after personal successes the idea that if you can just achieve X, Y, and Z, then everything will be great, but it seems so hollow to worship fame and success. That's more of a personal philosophy, but still relevant to motivation in attending college. So there's a lot of thoughts going on in this post. Uh, definitely a lot of, um, I guess, reflection and melancholy tone, I guess, of questioning, you know, what does it all mean, so to speak. So I'm going to read you a response from Nap Afternoon. So they write, instead of dwelling on what isn't working for you, try to figure out what is. Yes, 
part of college is just going through the motions to get the piece of paper so you're qualified in the eyes of some future employer. Not all career paths require this step. Some people can get away, get away with not going to college. However, most careers in this day and age require some kind of post-secondary education. It's just the world we live in. Uh, it sounds like you might benefit from a more practical, hands-on approach to learning. And, you know, they ask some questions. Uh, and then uh, this person quotes the uh, a sentence from the text above, from the post above, this, uh, you know, lamenting about somebody just doing it for the money and this other person could care less. And, you know, this person, Nap Afternoon, says, why should you even care what motivates them? That's not your business. Oh, you're my hero. Come work for me, Nap Afternoon. <laughs> How someone defines their personal success is their business. If you want a big house, awesome. If you think success is being able to jet set around the world, great. If you think success is making a difference in individual lives, fantastic. If their idea of success is achieving nirvana through some 10th level ritualistic new age religion, perfect. Don't dwell on how others define their own path to success. Focus on your own personal growth, personal path, how you define success, Comfortable income, traveling, wealth, friends, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I feel like I'm not developing at the same rate. Remember where they say that? So this person addresses that. Instead of trying to compare yourself to other people, try to understand yourself and your own motivations. Find out what motivates you. I think it is generally known that even if you do try really hard, success isn't guaranteed. But hope and desire is still a very important part of motivation. And I don't think we should bemoan anyone for wanting to achieve something in their lives. Whatever outcome that ends up, failure or success is kind of irrelevant. The can-do attitude that you seem to dismiss is more concerning. Look to yourself. How do you want to improve and grow as a person? What are your goals? Where do you see yourself in five years? And how can you get there with the skills you have today? So I don't really need to give advice when I have a great poster like Nap Afternoon uh, doing it for them. And that's what Reddit's so awesome for. Um, and I picked this because... There's a lot here that talks about what I want to talk about now, which is human capital. And this idea that human capital, let me give you a definition of it, which is the collective skills, knowledge, or intangible assets of individuals that can be used to create economic value for the individual, the employers, and their community. Education is an investment in human capital that pays off in terms of higher productivity is their example. So that comes from dictionary.com. Uh, so what that means is everything that goes into the stuff that you learn, the knowledge that you have, the experiences that make you the person and the pro productive and skilled person that you are or are not determines your essentially your human capital. So college is one aspect of it, but it's a major aspect. And you know, nap afternoon in their response to the Reddit poster said this, you know, it's like, yeah, some of it, some of college is just, you know, going through the motions. You got to get the piece of paper because that's what the employers in the field that you really want to be in uh, demand as sort of a baseline, right? And some, the baseline is even higher, you know, graduate school, master's, post-master's, PhD, etc. I'm learning that in my <laughs> employ with my employer. So, in this day and age, it's hard for me not to recommend college as one major means to uh, improve one's human capital. And why are you doing this? Why are you Why do you care about human capital? Um, are you Are you trying to create economic value for yourself? 
most people, if they're in college, would say yes, that that's the primary reason. You know, it would be wonderful to think that everyone's in college just to, to, you know, for the experience of, you know, learning. But let's face it, let's get real, right? We're here to, you know, develop our careers and figure out what the fuck we want to do and move forward with our lives so we can live comfortably and do something hopefully that we enjoy doing, right? So I was a little confused because I wondered about social capital. And so the relationship between social capital and human capital is something that I looked into because I anticipate human capital being uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I anticipate social capital being a form of human capital. And I went to the internet and I actually found a good Quora page. If anyone's tried to ask a question on the internet, they've come up with, uh, they've come across Quora and usually the answers are pretty lame. But this one was, was really good. So the question is, what is the relationship between social capital and human capital? So let's define the terms again. So let's give this uh, person, this uh, website's definition of human capital first. They define it uh, on the nature of human labor as a commodity and resources within the transactions of an economic system. So their main point is, is it's an economic term to describe everything that makes up a person that makes them productive um, for their own career, for society, and for their employer, right? Social capital, on the other hand, is a sociological term and focuses on the complex and often intangible values associated with human social relationships, okay? So a bit of why I'm doing this podcast, for example, is to garner a bit of social capital, you know, so if I am, you know, sort of giving back to the community and, do, you know, providing something that is productive to other people, um, and, you know, that hopefully will spawn relationships, right? And it has. Uh, the people that I've interviewed, some of the feedback I've gotten, you know, I've gotten to interact, and it's, it's allowed me to grow as a person, right? So it's enhanced my social capital, this podcast, for sure. And I think of college as a way to do that as well. Um, so let me read a couple of more points related to the questions about the differences between the two. So there are many different uses and variations of the term. It's fair to say, in this person's point of view, that compared to human capital, the term social capital has more of an individual-centered perspective and is more nuanced and can be used to analyze the way human lives might be improved. Uh, yeah, agree. Number two, social capital involves a much broader and flexible conception of value compared to human capital. It can include social advantages, reputation, connections, mentoring, and other forms of support or influence that are associated with human relationships. Totally, 100% agree. Uh, social capital, number three, is a more of a natural fit for the analysts of social networks and social media. Okay, I would argue that social networking and social media is um, becoming highly commoditized commoditized these days meaning um, you know there are careers in it so i think you're sort of building your human capital as well in those spheres number four social capital nevertheless has its critics who say that the term degrades and oversimplifies the study of human relationships or biases them towards being seen as simply a resource within the economic process 
Um, I, I will agree that it has its critics. I will sort of disagree that it with those critics. Let's leave it at that. I would say it's, it doesn't oversimplify it. Um, we get a lot out of relationships. And so I'm not trying to say that every relationship is an opportunity to, you know, get something from the person. Um, but it would be naive to think that that wasn't, you know, one reason that we reach out and network and communicate. And last point here, both terms are used without much consideration of the consequences of merging sociological and economic ways of making sense of human activities. Yeah, including myself. Um, the only reason I took the time to look into this is because I was doing my research and preparing for this podcast, right? Uh, I never really thought about the two in reference to one another, although I did write a paper um, a few years ago on human capital theory um, in thinking about the return of investment on supported education. Um, so the service of providing supports to people with disabilities to help them get through college. I wrote a paper on, you know, what would be the, the potential return on investment on that for the funding source, meaning in this case, I was speculating, you know, the division of mental health services of any, you know, one state. So that's what got me thinking about it, but I didn't really consider social capital too much on that. So the father of social capital, I'm sorry, the father of human capital is Gary Becker. And I'm going to read a couple of quotes from him. So we talk a lot about college. I'm going to save that quote, actually. Um, first, I'm going to read this quote. He was asked on the relationship of social capital to human capital. So I was very interested in his perspective because he's like the man when it comes to uh, human capital theory. I consider, he says, I consider social capital to be a particular type of human capital. I'm so glad he says that because that's the way I feel about it. Human capital, so to speak, usually looks at a person. It is her knowledge or her skills. Social capital looks at a person's link to other individuals. If I'm involved in AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, I may, I, I may be obligated to help members who are tempted to drink. In turn, I can call on them if I'm having trouble with my alcohol consumption. This is an example of social capital. It is a form of human capital because it is part of me. However, it is very different from the skills that I have as an educated person or the training I have or the knowledge I have. Social capital involves a linkage among individuals. That's why it's social. It is capital because it has some durability. That's important. Where depreciation rate may be endogenous. Anyway, that's how I look at it. Uh, and I, that's how I look at it too. So. Props to you, Mr. Becker. <laughs> it probably should be the other way around. But um, so that's how he thinks of it. So what does all of this mean for the college student, right? Why am I talking about this shit? <laughs> um, let me tell you why. So I'm thinking about goal setting, right? We set these goals in the beginning of the semester, and hopefully we're pretty close to achieving them. I'm going to uh, I'm not going to talk about my progress this week. I'm going to really save that for the final podcast of the semester next week. But I've been thinking a lot about all semester in what I could bring to you guys that would bring you value, right? So some of it has been, you know, the nuts and bolts of college, right? How to, you know, navigate the educational, I'm sorry, the disability services, you know, and, and counseling services and supported education, you know, the things that would actually help you in college, um, you know, the study techniques I've talked about, planning techniques with, you know, having a calendar and a to-do list. All of that was designed to help you in the moment in college. But I also really hoped specifically this semester to give you 
some things to think about beyond college, right? So the things to think about for somebody that is listening to the podcast and maybe are thinking like, I don't really know if I'm if I'm if college is for me, right? Or person like in that um, in that Reddit post I read earlier that is sort of like disenfranchised with with college. It's like, ugh, it's all knowledge. Like, what else is there? You know, this is what there is. So human capital is this idea that, you yeah, right, we want to build our up ourselves as a person, our skills and experiences to make ourselves more marketable so that we can in turn earn more, whether that be in money or in, you know, the networks that we build. Um, and college is just like the most, one of the biggest like breeding grounds for not just, you know, the, the piece of paper, so to speak, the, the degree, but also some other things that college gets you. And that's what I'm going to get into for the rest of the podcast. I read a really cool um, blog post, and I'm actually going to disregard most of it because the one of the um, things he was trying to talk about was signaling. Um, so this is a blog post from, the blog is called No Opinion, and it, his name must be Noah, so it's Noah and then Pinion. <laughs> Pretty good play on words there, I like it. And so this article is from, this blog post is from 2012, and it's titled, College is Mostly About Human Capital, Not Signaling. So to be honest, I didn't even look into a lot about what's the f- what the hell signaling is, so I'm going to ignore signaling. I want to focus on this person's thoughts on human capital and college. And so I'm going to quote, I'm going to read this uh, little paragraph and then go off a little bit. So he talks about signaling, and and I'm not going to get into that, but he, he talks about human capital and says, economists often have tried to show that college doesn't produce useful skills. So it's sort of the contrarian view to some people or the, the basic view that, it, you know, most people need college or everyone needs college, and that's an essential form of human capital. There are economists out there, as this person points out, that have tried to show that college doesn't produce useful skills. I think this is missing the point. Useful skills, which you mostly learn on the job, are not the only valuable form of human capital. Agree, totally. There are three extremely f- important forms of human capital that you can't acquire on the job motivation, perspective, and human networks. So motivation. This person defines it as, or just says it's widely recognized as the scarce quantity or limiting regent in an individual's human capital. This is the source of all those annoying motivational poster slogans. Attitude is everything. Your attitude determines your altitude. Blah, 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 blah. These are cheesy and annoying, but they're true. Skills mean nothing if you don't have a reason to put them to work. Everyone knows the biggest long-term threats to a career of any scientist or engineer are burnout. I would say that's to any career. (laughs) Um, So, all right, we've talked about this, right? It'd be great to have a job that you love, right, one day. And it it would be great if you loved what you studied in college. Not everybody does right now, right? For a multitude of reasons that we've discussed all semester. But I've really talked a lot about this semester is, is finding your motivation and your passion. When I think of motivation, it, it, it relates closely to passion for me. Um, but think about that person, that Reddit poster, right? 
they really lacked the motivation and and the response that they got from the person that I read really honed in on this and really challenged the person to say, you know, well, what is your motivation? If, if you're not finding this, you know, stimulating, you know, what is, what are you about? Like, and maybe you need this because you need to get to the next point, you know, sort of level up. Um, or maybe you're in the wrong place. <laughs> and that I think is, is an important aspect of college. Um, even if you go into college for the wrong reasons, um, you know, it's like just because it's what I think I'm supposed to do and I'm taking on all this debt but really have no direction, um, college will often help you find some motivation uh, in terms of discovering your passions, right? I discovered in college that I had a real passion for creative writing and I knew it wasn't going to make me any money, but I didn't care. Uh, it was important to me and I knew that the skills would be transferable. An English degree sounds like useless, right? <laughs> and it probably is these days, but I knew that the skills of being able to read and write well um, would serve me well somehow somewhere so I felt comfortable in kind of going ahead with it and it was easy to go ahead with it because I was fucking motivated I liked my uh, English classes especially the creative writing ones so I think that's one aspect um, of human capital that you can find in college discover for yourself that isn't necessarily tied to the content and all the quote-unquote bullshit you have to learn um, to get the piece of paper, but it's important because it might direct you to avoiding bullshit in the future. I guess is how I'll say it. Um, perspective is what I'll say next. Um, perspective is important because of everything I discussed last week. Uh, when you try things and then discover you don't like them and decide you want to quit them, you know, you might consider it a failure, right? But there's so much perspective gained in that failure, right? Um, I, I was really on the right track, I thought, last week when I was talking about, you know, outsourcing my video editing for my online course. And I was convinced that this was going to save me time and it was such a smart idea. And I failed. <laughs> I failed in getting that, uh, that outsourced. And the perspective I gained from that was just incredible because what it did was it gave me the perspective of like, wait a second, this isn't really that hard of a thing to do, number one. So why am I outsourcing it when I could just do it myself and save myself the little bit of money? Uh, and number two, if I actually sit down and, and teach myself this skill, you know, I'm really actually building my human capital. Now I know how to video edit. <laughs> how can that serve me in other areas of life, even if I decided I never wanted to do make another online course again? Well, I sure do make other videos again. I'm going to be doing that for uh, you know the online classes I teach at Rutgers. So I really did learn a valuable skill. It didn't take me much time. It didn't cost me anything. And it, it is a that's what I, I think about when I think about human capital. So... The perspective can only be gained by trying things. You know, if you always just think and have ideas and you're like, ah, I'm going to plan to do this and never actually do it, you never get the perspective. And you might feel like you're safeguarding yourself or protecting yourself. It's like, well, if I don't try anything, I won't fail. And that's true. But you won't gain that perspective either. So you won't be able to move ahead and progress. So perspective is important because, I mean, college is, is just huge with that. I used to be... I used to be kind of like looked down upon 
my friends that didn't go away to college. And the main reason I did is because they did not get to experience that perspective of living on their own and being independent. And now I look back and I think that that's a fairly narrow-minded point of view. I think you can get that in the same town you live at, you know, going to a community college and living on your own. It's more about just kind of getting out of the house and not necessarily getting out of your town. Um, but I used to have that perspective. And, you know, I definitely, for me, thought it was the right decision because I needed that perspective. And that was, for me, more what I learned in college was not, you know, how to write a good poem uh, or the stanzas or whatever, although I learned some of that. But I really learned how to live on my own, you know, and I learned how to, you know, figure out the shit that I needed to figure out when I didn't have mom and dad to figure it out for me. Let's put it that way. So when you gain that perspective, when you realize, ah, this is something I really like, or, oh, I, I realized something about myself. Now I have this perspective. I didn't, I'm not really all about that, even though I thought I was. This is human capital, folks. Figuring this shit out now means you don't have to figure it out later, which means you sort of know yourself a little bit better and have a higher amount of self-awareness. And that is going to matter to your career and your employer because it's going to save time um, you'll have figured shit out already. It's like, oh, I already know I don't, you know, I don't do it that way, right? Uh, I was discussing this somebody with somebody recently about reading books, and I'm, I'm just like, I was so down on myself for so many years that I didn't read like I used to. I used to be a voracious reader and read lots of fiction, and now I read nothing. Uh, but I discovered audiobooks, and now I'm just cool with the fact that it's like, no, I don't read the way I used to, but I found a way to adapt and still get what I want um, and I need the perspective and I'm, I'm good with it. And so in the future, I know that if I have something that I need to sit down and read, then I'll need to take some different steps. Like maybe I'll seek out an alternative media form, you know, and having that perspective is going to save me time just because I know myself better. And college really does give you that, if nothing else. If you don't learn the actual facts, you learn a lot of shit about yourself. And that's why I agree with that original poster in Reddit to say that college is a lot of independent study. And it is what you make of it. It's not just sitting there as a consumer being like, okay, educate me, direct me. No, that's not how you should look at college. Well, the last thing is probably the most straightforward one, human networks. This is a big checkbook, a checkbox checked off for colleges. Like this is where colleges shine in helping you develop human networks. Um, it would seem to be changing in that I think you can do it in other spheres much more easily than you could in the past thanks to ding 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 the internet um but networking is just um enormously important i think everyone says that as a cliche but they don't realize it and it's cliche because it's true right and i was talking about it recently in my um one of my classes i was asking about people's jobs that they had and where they got the job. And almost everyone had gotten it through somebody that they know or part of their human network. And that is only going to continue, right? I've talked about automation and, you know, I think jobs will become more scarce in the future. And it's going to, you're going to have to know the right people, you know, and your, your network will need to be large. If your network is small, and a lot of people that I used to work with uh, in community mental health programs, you know, had just such limited supports they had such a small network that it was not easy to understand. I mean, it was easy to understand why they had trouble getting jobs. So when you go to college, right, you go, especially when you go away to college, 
you're, you go from having, you know, being sort of confined to this small town, small area, to now experiencing all these people from all different areas of, of the country or the world. And you get so much, again, perspective. It might motivate you. And the connections oftentimes will last. You know, I have friends from college that I still see that are lifelong friends. Um, they may not lead to me developing further in human capital. They may not lead to a job, but they certainly led to me in the development of myself as a person. So human networks is really a lot of the overlap with social capital they talked about. Um, one more quote from Gary Becker. So because I, I read this thing by him and it was talking about college a lot, but I was really and I just kind of accept that like college yeah, is a one of the main forms that we think of when we look at, you know, we think of human capital. But I was really interested in his thoughts about what else besides college. Right. So here's a quote from Gary Becker, uh, and I have a link to this paper in the show notes. Of course, formal education is not the only way to invest in human capital. Workers also learn and are trained outside schools, especially on the job. Even college graduates are not fully prepared for the labor market when they leave school and must be fitted into their jobs through formal and informal training programs. The amount of on-the-job training ranges from an hour or so at simple jobs like dishwashing to several years at complicated tasks like engineering in an auto plant. The limited data available indicates that the on-the-job training is an important source of the very large increase in earnings that workers get as they gain greater experience at work. Bold estimates by Columbia University economist Jacob Mincer suggest that the total investment in on-the-job training may be well above $200 billion a year, or about 2% of GDP. No discussion of human capital can omit the influences of family on knowledge, skill, health, values, and habits of their children. Parents affect educational attainment, marital stability, propensities to smoke, to get to work on time, and many other dimensions of their children's lives. You know, parents impact heavily on motivation and perspective and human networks. So uh, that is probably not surprising to many of you, but I thought worth noting. So... Um, that's really all I have for today. I feel like this is a little bit of a shorter episode than I've had in, in previous weeks, but I don't, I don't ever go into this with an idea of how much time I really want to sit and talk to you guys. I want to get my message across to you and I don't want it to be, um, frilly. I don't want to add too much because I want the message to be clear and succinct and concise. So... I'll leave you with the home exercise of today, uh, which is to list five forms of human capital that you feel you possess. You can for, you can include forms of social capital as part of this exercise. I'm totally cool with that. And then think about how to leverage one of these areas into achieving your goal, right? So let me give you an example in my own life, right? So my goal is to get this online course out and I haven't thought about this, so I'm doing this completely on the fly. So if they stumble a little bit or take a little time, sorry. Um, so my goal is to to get this online course out, right? So let me think about some forms of human capital that I feel I possess. Um, so one of them is this podcast, right? You know, again, it's more a form of social capital, I would say, um, but definitely in the realm of this exercise, right? So this podcast is part of my my human capital and my social capital. 
Now, how could I leverage this podcast to help me achieve my goal of getting my course out? Well, to a certain extent, I've, I've been doing that all along, right? I set this goal in the beginning of the semester as part of an accountability exercise um, because I didn't want to let you guys down. Uh, it's a big, you know, it's a portion of why it's happened. Um, but I'm actually thinking about it in terms of more concrete terms. So I'm sure out there there are people that might benefit from this online course that I'm that I'm developing and I'm getting close to getting ready to release. Um, and I actually am... I'm going to need some people to test it out for me. So if there are anyone, if there's anyone out there that's interested in being a, a test subject for me for my online course, um, let me know. Reach out to me, and I would hook you up with a coupon when it's ready to go to, uh, to access the course for free, and you take it. As it directed, you know, this is somebody I would, I'm looking for people that are that are going to be that are brand new to online learning and are taking college classes online. So if you think if this is you, if you're like maybe have a college class you've registered for in the fall, uh, an online class and you've never taken online courses before and you might be feeling a little like, oh, I don't know what it's going to be like. Uh, this is you're the kind of person I'm looking for. So if this is you, send me an email. And that would be to college student success podcast at gmail.com. And let me know you'd like to test out the product. Uh, and I'll hook you up with a free coupon. And so here, there's my example. Again, I wasn't planning this. I didn't, uh, I didn't come up with this ahead of time. But that's sort of how I might leverage one form of my human capital that I possess that I've sort of been grooming and, and working on to my goal. And, and goal attainment again is what we're you know really all about here, right? So I will leave you with that. A little bit shorter, but that's cool. It'll give you a little bit extra time to prep for your finals that I'm sure you have coming up. Can't wait to you come back. Can't wait to come back to you guys next week and sort of uh, put a bow on the semester and sort of reflect a little. Uh, can't wait. So until then, have a great week, guys. Take care. Peace. Peace.